season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. As you can tell through this Fort Wayne baseball series, the 260 area is crawling with baseball talent. Nobody does a better job at promoting that Fort Wayne baseball talent than Old Fort Baseball. Not only are they the sponsor of the Fort Wayne baseball series here on the JKR podcast, but they also support local baseball of Fort Wayne's past, present, and future through apparel and design. They celebrate teams like the Fort Wayne Daisies, Fort Wayne Kikiangas, and much more. Ever since Old Fort's establishment, they have constantly partnered with local teams and organizations to help promote them. Go give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, that's going to be at Old Fort Baseball Co. And on Twitter, it's going to be at Old Fort B-Ball Co. Go give them a follow. Go check it out. But with that being said, let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today, we have Fort Wayne native. Concordia Lutheran 2018 graduate, I believe, current senior outfielder at NKU Northern Kentucky. We got Traven Moss on the podcast. Traven, super pumped to get you on the show, man. I know we've been talking about it for a little bit, but finally excited to get you on the JKR podcast. So how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, uh, as it's like Fort Wayne baseball series, it's an honor to be a part of it. Um, an honor to be on here with you, man. So whatever you got for me, uh, I'm ready for it. All right, there we go. All right, so before we dig into baseball stuff, I do have one question I like to, you know, ask everybody to get on the podcast just, just to get it started. And that question is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Traven Moss? <laughs> um, Traven Moss uh, is a hard worker uh, for sure. But no, as, as he said, I'm a Concordia native, uh, Fort Wayne native, Concordia grad, 2018. Uh, I am now a senior outfielder at Northern Kentucky University. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay. All right. So um, before we kind of dig into your baseball career, obviously we'll dig into, you know, the whole recruiting process. What's your four, or I mean, I guess five years now that you're a redshirt at NKU uh, have been like the collegiate summer league. We'll dig into all that type of stuff. Uh, but I kind of want to dig into, you know, a little project, you know, both you and me, you and me are both working on here in Fort Wayne, the Summit City Baseball Academy. Uh, so just got a couple questions here about that, you know, kind of you know, get a little, uh, you know, some, some audio bites to put into the, to promote the, the promote the camp. Uh, but no, so just a couple questions here. Uh, so what are you looking forward to most to that Summit City Baseball Academy coming up here in December? Yeah, man, what I'm looking forward most is really just uh, interacting um, with the kids. Um, I don't know if family is going to be there or parents or whatnot, um, but really just like the interaction, be able to uh, share the knowledge and wisdom that I've gained from uh, this game. Um, being able to share with others, I think that's like one of uh, my big purposes is really just everything that I've learned and that I've gained over my years and experience, being able to give that back, being able to share that with others, um, especially younger guys who are looking to um, maybe be in my position or to get to the next level, um, just being able to share that and, and kind of give them some inspiration, uh, you know, being from Fort Wayne um, and as well as them. Yeah. So with with all this stuff that you've you know learned throughout your years of playing uh, collegiate baseball, high school baseball, what would be that biggest piece of advice you would have for that younger generation that's going to be there at the Summit City Baseball Academy? Um, you know, I think it it uh, varies depending on age group. 
Um, I think for me, as I got older and I start to, uh, you know, gain more experience within the game, I think that the mental game is, is huge, uh, a huge part of success um, at the collegiate level. Uh, but then again, at the next level um, and, and for like younger kids, I think it's hard to tell a 10 or 12 year old that the mental game is something that you got to focus on and work on. It's hard um, at that age, but I think it just really uh, just having fun, you know, playing the game the right way, respecting the game. Um, that's one thing that uh, I would really tell the uh, younger generation to, to focus on is just have fun, man. Uh, you know, the relationships, the experience, who you become out of all this years and the relationship built is what means more than, um, you know, the success or the outcomes that are uh, come with the game. OK. All right. So another another big key aspect to that Summit City Baseball Academy is obviously the host of Summit City Sluggers. Um, you've had a good relationship with them now for, for years from, you know, from what I've seen. And you just talking to Coach Snyder and Coach De La Garza, obviously your dad's there as well as the vice president. Uh, but let's kind of dig into your travel ball career just a little bit. You know, then we'll go ahead and talk about the recruiting process, stuff like that. Um, but I saw that you played for the Bulls, the Nitro the Midwest Rangers and the Summit City Sluggers. So I guess just kind of take us through your whole travel ball career. Um, and then, you know, we can, we can talk about the Sluggers a little bit more after, after, yeah. you, after that. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I started out young uh, travel ball playing with my dad. Um, my dad was coach of stars baseball Academy at the time. So I grew up playing with him. Um, it got to a point where uh, I think we both knew that it was good to uh, at the time indie ball and going to indie was like, the big thing, uh, get around better competition, um, better guys, things like that. Uh, and so then I made that move uh, to the Bulls down in Indy, uh, started playing with the Bulls. And then once I did that, then I was kind of connected with the Indy area, I would say. So then that led to um, the Nitro. Um, and then that led to the Outlaws. Then that led to the Midwest Rangers. So really just I bounced around a little bit uh, for, for travel ball, but really just trying to, you know, face the best competition. Um, and that's what it is. That's what's going to improve the game is, is getting around guys that uh, push you and make you better. OK, so what are some of your relationships you have with, you know, your your prior travel ball coaches there with the Bulls, Nitro, Outlaws? Uh, what are some of those relationships you have um, even now, I guess, even keeping in contact with some of those guys potentially um, that you had in travel ball? Yeah, uh, I think like relationships like that last, you know, a lifetime. Uh, and although I may not stay in contact with them uh, consistently like I should, um, I know that at any day, if I needed to call them, um, that they would answer. Um, and I just think that's just, you know, the relationships built from this game that I just mentioned is, uh, you know, it's always a phone call away. Um, and, and I still am in contact with my my Midwest Rangers was my uh, last summer ball team that I was on before NKU. So they kind of Actually, the Midwest Rangers is why I'm at NKU. Um, they're the coach of the Midwest Rangers. His son was already committed to NKU. He was a year below me. Um, so I we can get into the details of the recruitment and all of that. That's a that's a pretty good story. But no, I still stay in contact with uh, the Midwest Rangers coach. Every time I see him uh, at games or when he comes up to the games, I, I say thank you. You know, I'm like, man, like I you don't know how much I appreciate you for getting me to here. Um, and how this has changed my life, this whole uh, NKU experience, you know, so just like the relationships built, um, you know, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Yeah. So they go right. a little bit into the Summit City Sluggers. I guess, when did you play for them? And how do you, how do you, and I mean, and your dad as well, 
kind of get connected with that Summit City Sluggers, considering your dad is now, you know, the vice president. I mean, I know you're training there all the time when you're back there in Fort yeah. Wayne. Uh, so kind of what's that relationship with, you know, Mark, Coach Snyder, um, and just the Summit City Sluggers in general? Yeah, really, uh, you know, first off, I'm, I'm very thankful for the Summit City Sluggers. Um, Mark, uh, Austin, Austin got me over there, um, you know, and then my dad comes on board as well. Um, but I'm very thankful, man. Like, I think it's one of the nicest, if not the nicest uh, indoor facility um, in Fort Wayne. You know, so being able to have that uh, at my disposal and being able to go there whenever I want, man, like it's a dream come true. Um, you've been inside the facility, so you know it's a very nice facility. You can get it all done in there. Um, so really, I'm just thankful for Mark um, allowing me to come in there and train. Um, but I think it's good for Fort Wayne, man. Like, I think it's good to have a, a facility like that for the younger generation to come in and and learn and grow, uh, you know, and and get in there and do a facility like that. Because yeah. nowadays, man, you, it's hard to find something uh, like that, you know, with uh, how spacious it is with machines and stuff you can work on but no I'm very thankful for the Summit City Sluggers because honestly uh without them I don't know where I'd be right now man I'm sure we'd figure it out but uh I am very thankful and, and I do have a very uh high appreciation for Summit City Sluggers Mark all of them yeah I mean I I mean even myself I mean I have a big appreciation for them as well I mean I got connected with them by Austin as well. About a year ago today, about a year ago this month, he reached out like Christmas break last year. You know, I was like, Who, who's this coach Snyder guy? Like, what's yeah. this guy doing? I go yeah. meet him. I think that's the day I met you too, that my first day in that facility. That's I exactly. That, I remember that, bro. You came in. That's the first time I met you was Christmas break last year. So yeah. I, I mean, Snyder, uh, Austin reached out and I was like, oh, why not? Let's, let's take a drive up to Fort Wayne. Let's kind of go see what this is about. You know, I loved it. I mean, um, I mean, Mark and I were tossing ideas about like different projects, you know, JKR baseball, which is kind of like the brand I'm kind of like re uh, breaching out to from the podcast and the summit city sluggers could be working on. I mean, Mark Austin, they're all great dudes. I mean, talking to your dad, that game at Butler, um, yeah. I mean, that was an awesome, um, awesome, I guess the summit yeah. in general, the summit city sluggers, I'm really appreciative for them as well. Yeah, um, Hey man, that's, what's crazy though. Is like, like, like we said, I met you uh, a year ago and like, it's looked like, look where you came, you know, with everything from then and kind of how everything's uh, flourished, uh, for you within this past year. I think it's awesome, man. And, and like you said, we give credit to the summit city sluggers because, uh, they've made a lot possible, I think, for you and I both. Um, so I'm with you on that, man. I do have high praise for uh, Mark doing over there. Yeah, we had a – I had a – I believe it was a two-hour conversation today with Mark. It was the first ever JKR podcast episode that is going to be two hours long. It's set to release – I mean, I believe it's like December 23rd or something, but I've never – I've had like hour and 40, hour and 50, never hit two hours. Well – I told Mark today, I was like, man, first, first two hour episode here. Uh, so yeah. that's pretty cool. I mean, Mark's, Mark's, a, I mean, super knowledgeable guy when it comes to just the game of baseball. And it was cool to, I mean, talk about like his time as a scout, his time going to, you know, Cooperstown year after year, um, just really knowledgeable guy within the game of baseball. Uh, but no, let's kind of dig into, you know, the Bulls, Nitro Rangers, Outlaws, just a little bit more. Um, so what were some of those key differences that you saw in between those programs, because obviously, I mean, all those programs, especially now with the Bulls and Nitro at this point in time, are very successful. Um, so what are some of those differences that you've seen within all those programs? You know, man, one thing that uh, sticks out to me from going, uh, like I said, I started in Fort Wayne uh, playing with my dad and then going uh, to Indy. Um, but I think one thing that sticks out is like 
everyone has a purpose. Everyone's on a mission there, you know? Um, you know, they're looking to get to the next level. And it's just like that uh, competitive factor, um, I guess, of trying to be, trying to get somewhere, you know, trying to go, uh, you know, at that age, when I was that age, like we all wanted to go to college and we're like, man, like we want to go to college. So we try to get in front of scouts and, and you know, and try and get in front of the uh, best competition that you can. Um, so I would say one of the biggest differences is really just that, like, uh, that hurt. Hold on. Uh, yeah, you're good. Uh, I would just say like that, uh, the purpose, I guess, uh, there's more purpose behind, uh, the intention of like what we're doing, um, on and off the field, you know, it's just like the level kind of increases, um, you know, when you go from program to program, but I don't know, man, like it's, uh, it was a great experience, you know, like with the relationships built for sure. It was, uh, it was awesome, but I would just say, that purpose, that drive to get to the next level um, was definitely a factor. Okay. So who was in charge of the Indiana Bulls program back when you were playing for him? Uh, shoot. Who was in charge? I think our head, our head coach was Jason Maddox. Mm. Okay. Uh, so I don't know, know that name. Uh, can you hear that in there? Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, let me shut this. There we go. Um. So I thought I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So uh, Jason Maddox was my coach at the time. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, though. You ever heard that name? I don't think he's uh, running it anymore. Um, I forget who was like top dog at the time. Uh, I forget. I I know they I know they just went. I believe they just went through like somebody else just took it over because I know Coach Hibbler is like a big Blake Hibbler, I believe. I believe he's in charge of Grand Park. Do you know uh do you know Helton? Like uh I think last name was Helton was like the he he like ran a lot of it at the time when I was playing at least. Okay. I see that might have been right because I mean I got into it like a year and a half ago where I started getting, you know, like really connected within the travel ball like um the circuit. And I, I believe he must have been gone before that because I don't I don't remember that name. Yeah. And I was, I was, uh, I played there for like, I think two years, two or three years. So I know my coach was Maddox, Jason Maddox at the time. Uh, but other than that, I'm not sure who was running it at the okay. time. All right. Um, so I do have one question about high school. I mean, generally, you know, I mean, if you follow the podcast, I get a lot of, you know, like commits that are, you know, headed to, you know, the power five schools or, you know, potential draft prospects. And I talked to him about like their high school, high school competition or whatever it is. Um, so I'm not going to bore you about, you know, moving it back five, six years ago, back when you were playing high school ball. Uh, but I do kind of want to ask you this. So I know you played for Concordia Lutheran for two years. Um, it was what is it was a Bishop Dwinger for another year or. Uh, I was at uh, Lakewood Park. OK. For, uh, and then Blackhawk Christian and then uh, Concordia. OK. So Concordia so- was my years. Okay. So with you playing, you know, playing with baseball within that Fort Wayne area, um, what was that, what was that high school competition level like um, when it came to, you know, just different pitches that you were facing? Uh, what was that, what was that competition level like? Cause I mean, I know Fort Wayne baseball produces, you know, some pretty good baseball oh, talent yeah. on a year to year basis. Uh, so just yeah. kind of take us through what that competition level was like. Man, I, th- I think uh, around my time, we had very good competition. Uh, some names that you would be familiar with uh, Grant Richardson, uh, played against him a bunch. Uh, Garrett Shanley uh, played against him in high school as well a bunch. Uh, 
Hayden Jones as well. Um, and there were some other good competition as well, but um, just like a few of those names right there, like it was always a battle. You know, R Richardson was uh, was in my conference junior year, and I believe senior year he left uh, and went to Fishers. Um, but, you know, it was just great battles, man, and, and being able to compete against guys um, that were – you know, at that time, uh, for me at least, I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do for college really until, like, the end of my senior year. I didn't know. So, like, my junior year, um, you know, pretty much all these guys – Richardson was already committed to IU – uh, Shane Lee was already going to UC, uh, Hayden was already committed to Mississippi state. So like these guys, like it really just like pushed me, you know, like it motivated me and it was great to compete against them because, um, you know, it's, it's just awesome to compete against guys that are going to high levels that you want to get to, you know, you want to prove yourself, you want to compete, um, against the best. So it was really awesome, man. It was a great experience for yeah. sure. Fort, Fort Wayne for sure definitely has, you know, legit baseball talent. I mean, I know you probably don't follow, you know, like high school baseball, especially as much as what I do, but, um, if you were to go look at the prep baseball report rankings right now, the number one guy in the 2024 class, 2025 and the 2027 class are all from Fort Wayne. No way. Which for me, I mean, for me is pretty exciting. Who are those guys? You know, so, can you know the so name? Yeah, Braden Thomas goes to Bishop Dwinger, uh, left-handed pitcher. Um, he's the 14th ranked player in the nation right now. Um, Braden Thomas is Braden Thomas is the man. He goes, he shoves oh. out, he shoves every day he pitches. Uh, he wow. went to Area Code out there in San Diego uh, this past summer. I'm really close with Braden. Like we, you know, we text every back and forth, especially with him and right. being an IU guy. Uh, we yeah. know we talk about Indiana basketball or just random stuff. Um, yeah. Brandon Logan is 2025, so a sophomore yeah. going to Snyder. He he was training with my dad for a little bit. I don't know. Oh, if really? still, yeah, he was over there at Summit City Sluggers uh, training with my dad um, for, for quite some time. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know. I know Austin was like talking to me, about. he was like, he's like, man, we got to get, you know, Brandon Logan in and try to show him the facility. Um, this guy, Landon Fry is another one at Snyder who I believe was like, yeah. went to the slugger facility a couple of times. He's not like, I mean, he's ranked, I believe number nine um, in the state, but talking to Austin, apparently he's, He's underrated because he said Landon Fry is a dog. So we'll see. Um, and then not, what's that? What's that? Twenty twenty six. Uh, tw so twenty twenty seven is uh, I forget his name. Um, because like P PBR really doesn't have uh rankings out to the public for that for that young. But um, if you buy like PBR Premium, which I've seen like people have it a couple times, so you know I'll look. And the guy yep. was from Fort Wayne, but I just cannot remember his name. Heard that name. Yeah. But, yeah, so man. I'm, hearing those names, though, like, I'm going to have to uh, keep an eye on, on Fort Wayne baseball for sure. Because I really, like you said, man, I haven't really been uh, involved with, with uh, Fort Wayne, especially high school baseball, um, you know. But especially with some big names like that, it's always good to watch good baseball. Yeah. I So I'm putting together that Battle of Indiana project I told you about before we started recording. So that's uh live AB is going to be mic'd up on camera live at bats amongst the top. Uh, it's going to be around 50, 55 prospects here in the state. We've got pretty much every power five commit besides one guy who I've been trying hard after. Um, and he's the ends up not going to be there, but still, I mean, we've got almost 50 guys who are all committed to power five, or there's a couple who are like committed to like mid majors, like Eastern Illinois, Ball State, um, Cincinnati, a couple schools like that. Uh, they're all going to be at the same place, same time, uh, January 29th. 
Um, you're more than welcome to be there, you know, go watch them, you know, we would talk to the younger generation and kind of give them some advice and kind of just watch some good baseball overall. I mean, you, right. your dad, I know Austin's going to be there. So, I mean, you guys are more than welcome as well. Yeah. Like that's like heart of, of our, like we're, we start, I think the second week of February. Mm-hmm. So you act like January, like fifth, I believe we start up. Uh, we hit it hard. You know, we, we hit the ground running. So uh, if I could get away, that'd be an awesome experience for sure. Um, but yeah, man, I, if I can make it, I'll be there, but yeah. no promises just because like, we're super busy I'm sure. uh, back from break. I'm sure. I know I'm, I'm inviting like Ryan Pepio, uh, Dre Jameson, some of the guys, Cole, Cole Barr, he was great. Oh, teammate yep. here. Um, I'm inviting those guys just, you know, they can come watch, you know, talk, like I said, just talk to the younger, the younger guys, like, like I, um, you could pop possibly too, if you show up, but, um, no, I'm really looking forward to that event. And I think that's, that's like another cool thing I'm working on. Uh, but no, you, so you talk about, um, what you guys are going to be working on here once you get back from Christmas break. So I guess let's just kind of dig into, you know, what fall ball generally looks like, uh, leading up to, you know, Christmas break where you're back home training, um, into like where you kind of turn the, turn the calendar and I mean, you just start, start rolling. So I just take us through that a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, for us, uh, the fall mostly is, uh, you know, competing, uh, you know, we're competing, we're, uh, we're getting our work in. It's weird though. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's like with the NCAA, we have like a lot of rules, which a lot of people like aren't familiar with, or we get like a lot of JUCO guys or transfer or JUCO guys that come in and they're like, how come we're not practicing 30 hours a week or 40, you know, some crazy amount because they came from JUCO where there's not really rules, but, um, or not a lot of them, but that's one thing is like with our rules, we can, we start off with individuals cause we can only go so many hours per week. Um, so we'll do like position individuals, pitcher individuals, um, outfield infield individuals, stuff like that. Um, but after kind of that period, then we get it, we hit it pretty hard after the first like month. Um, and then we get into our live and our, uh, scrimmages. And that's one thing here at NKU, like they're big on like competing, you know, like let's get out there. Uh, you know, if the arms are ready, the bats are ready, like, let's go compete, uh, you know, and play against each other. You know, that's how we're really going to uh, get better. Obviously, we do our our work uh, on our own or we do work prior to practice or prior to games throughout the week. Yeah. Um, the fall is is preparing, um, obviously, for the season, um, but really just competing. Um, and, and this year with NKU, we've had uh, we have 24 new guys. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, that's why we've had to, to bring this new group of guys in who's phenomenal guys, man, we have a great group this year. Um, but really just being able to like, compete and you know, we got to see like, or the coaching staff has to see, you know, what other players are made of, you know, what they offer, what they bring to the table. Um, so really just like competing in the games, uh, you know, scrimmaging against each other, stuff like that. Um, and then we come towards the end of fall, which we're in right now. Um, and we have like a dead periods where we go like individuals only. We have a certain amount of hours. Um, and that's what we mainly focus on hitting. Uh, you know, now we're like indoor, the weather's starting to get worse. So we focus a lot. Uh, we're indoor, we're focusing on hitting, still getting our throwing in, stuff like that. But um, really just digging into to the individual stuff. And now we're uh, about to head on to break. Um, and now we're really just on our own. Um, you know, we're not really under the coach's wing right now. Obviously, we it, it's cool, though. We have blast sensors. Um, so, like, they can track all of our swings and all of our data when we're gone. 
and they can pull it up like on their iPad or whatever and see like how many swings uh, are all of every swing information thing you could possibly want. Uh, they see it right there. Um, so which is nice to keep like up to date with us and on top of it. But no, nah, man, like now that we're into break, like it's kind of on our own. And, um, you know, we kind of have to hold ourselves accountable uh, to put the work in and to get better, constantly improving. Yeah. So when that calendar year does flip, you guys head back to campus. What does that look like? I know you said you guys kind of hit it hard when you guys get back. Um, so generally, what does that, you know, that winter time look like in that January, February area, like right before the actual season does get started? What does that generally look like? Yeah, man, I think that's really just like putting the finishing touches on, uh, you know, on the preparation. Um, I think we're still preparing. And, and that's the thing, man, is like come season with the season coming in February. Uh, when we get back, you know, it's it's focusing on on February. Uh, you know, like usually when you get here in August, it's like, okay, let's meet the guys. Let's get around. We got the guys like, you know, let's do all this. Um, but no, man, when we get back, it's like we're locked in. You know, we're focused on on, on one goal, um, and that's to, to win championships, man, to compete at the highest level. Um, and so really it's just like we're really focused on on the preparation, being prepared for the opportunity, man. And when the, when the opportunity – presents itself we want to make sure um, that we're the most prepared for it so that we can succeed yeah so what is the outlook on this upcoming spring so besides yourself you know being that returning guy who you know played pretty well last season the years prior uh what's like the outlook on the nku season like who are some other guys to be on the lookout for and what are you guys expecting here this upcoming spring 2023 yeah man uh i don't know if i have any names for you but uh i know we have a a lot of veterans uh, a lot of experience that's one thing with we brought in 24 new guys uh we got D d1 transfers from nebraska um from iu ohio state um vcu uh norfolk state we got a, some d1 transfers juco guys so a lot of experience man and and i think that's one thing that's going to help us a lot is having those experienced guys and even um like myself there's three or four other guys um, on our team that have been there for four plus years. Um, so really just having that group of like that core group of uh, leaders um, really has set the tone uh, for these new guys that have came in, bro. And, and everything that I've heard uh, from, from all of the new guys is all great stuff, man. And, and just the direction that we're going, uh, I give credit to the coaching staff first and foremost, because they do a phenomenal job of, uh, bringing guys in um, and, and making sure that we can compete at the highest level because you know uh, how it is with talking to baseball guys and being around the game, you know, like everyone wants to win, you know, everyone wants to compete for championships. Um, everyone wants to be successful. And I think that's what at NKU right now, man, we've just made a big, uh, a major flip, major change, like culturally um, over the last couple of years, we've been building that culture a lot. Um, and I think it's really going to pay off. Um, and I think this core group of leaders that have been here for a while, um, I think, you know, we're it's going to put us in a really good spot uh, to be successful come spring. Yeah. So also I want to touch on uh, really just like our pitching staff as well. Uh, you know, we got experienced guys in there. And that's one thing. Um, if you look just statistically, you can say that we've struggled in that area in years past. Um, and that's one big thing um, that I just you know, have so much praise for our coaching staff because they brought in, um, you know, guys that are going to compete uh, and guys that are going to win that pushes everyone around them. Uh, you know, and our pitching coach, Connor Walsh, uh, was with the White Sox for in AAA 
pitcher for the White Sox AAA, um, has been around the game a long time, and he just does a great job with the pitchers, man. And that's one thing that I'm really excited for come spring is just having that uh, that that group of guys, but also just knowing that we got guys that can compete and guys that want to win. It's yeah. fun. So with those 24 new guys, obviously you give big praise to the NKU coaching staff, but how did you guys as players and as just teammates, how did you guys go about, you know, just creating bonds with, you know, 24 new players? I mean, that's a full major league roster. So yeah. like, how, did, how did you guys go about, you know, uh, just building that bond and, you know, just becoming a team uh, with all those new guys heading to campus? Man, this is where I give credit to uh, to our leaders, you know, on the team, myself uh, included with uh, some of the older guys, um, the other fourth, fifth year guys that are in my same boat. Um, you know, when you get so many new guys like that, I think what really helps um, first, it, it starts with the coaching staff, but the players, man, we just created an environment, a culture that is like a family, you know, and that's what our coaches preach to us is, you know, everyone involved, like we're a family. Um, and, and that's in the locker room, you know, off the field, uh, whatever, man, we just created a culture and an environment, um, you know, that allows everyone to feel welcome, that allows everybody to, uh, you know, I've talked with some of the guys, it's kind of cool, but they're like, man, like, I have never been, like, they're like, I've never been on a team like this. They're like, the, the culture, the group of guys, the environment, like, everyone's there every day having the best time, bro. Like if one guy's down, another guy's picking, picking them up, you know? And it's like, we got each other, bro. And like, at first, you know, it's like, okay, we got a lot of new guys, uh, whatever, but it, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like, Oh, Oh, we gotta, Ooh, we gotta do all this. No, nah, man. Like we were just ourselves. We were, and, and I, uh, credit, uh, our head coach, Dizzy Payton. Uh, and, and like I said, the NKU coaching staff, I cannot, I have so much high praise for him, man. Like, make sure with this podcast that you throw in all the high praise I got for the coaching staff because they do a phenomenal job, man. The work ethic uh, that they put in, their time, their effort, um, has really just paved the way for NKU um, and, and us as leaders, man. Like, just the culture we built for everybody, the new guys, man, they feel welcome. They, they feel like uh, they're competing. They feel uh, the winning, the energy, bro. It's, it's really just that energy man, like it, it's just contagious. And, you know, when it starts at the top and, and the coaching staff, man, like I keep saying it. So I'm probably like, you're probably like, man, the coaching staff, this. <laughs> but no, man, like I really, they do set the tone. Um, and they've really, I, I can't thank them enough, but no, man, it's the energy, you know, it's the, everyone can feel it. Um, and everyone like we're working towards the same goal. We have the common goal. And, and, and that's one thing as our team, uh, we've made it clear where we want to go. Uh, you know, what we want to accomplish. And we know like what it takes day by day. We know what it takes daily to achieve that. And that's why we have leaders. That's why we have a good culture, man, to, um, you know, push everyone around us and, and treat it like family. You know, we're, we're there, like I said at the beginning, we're there to have fun, uh, build these relationships um, and enjoy playing the game, man, being grateful for the opportunity that we have. So really just like uh, simplifying it all, having fun, man, creating a good positive environment uh, for everyone to succeed. Yeah. 
So talking about that clubhouse leadership when it comes to the actual player side of things, I guess just take us through from, I guess, from your freshman year when you were an underclassman, what the leadership was like and, you know, some maybe some players that took you underneath their wings um, up to now to where, you know, like you've worked your way up the ranks. This is your fifth year at NKU to where, you know, you're one of those clubhouse leaders to where people look up to you with just all the experience you have. I guess just take us through how you kind of, you know, started as a freshman, you know, mostly freshmen are at the bottom when it comes to, you know, upperclassmen taking taking players underneath their wings to where how you've kind of, you know, I guess spread your wings in a way and became a clubhouse leader now as a as a fifth year senior. Um, yeah, man, uh, not not to really I don't want to talk down uh, at all on the past years. I have grown exponentially uh, and I've learned so much. But, um, you know, when I came in here my first year, it was like that, you know, uh, and that's one thing for me, like as a freshman, you were kind of like, oh, these are like seniors. These are leaders like, you know, kind of stay away. Uh, or kind of like, you know, you avoid them or, you know, whatnot. And uh, it was, we've had our rough times, you know, like in, in my first couple years were rough, man. I think my second year we went 0 and 17. Um, yeah, to start the year and then COVID ended it. So we ended like 0 and 16, 0 and 17, uh, you know, so it was some rough years. Um, but, but with that leadership, uh, I just talked to somebody about this the other day, so it's actually crazy we're talking about this now. But it's awesome, man. Like, I'm so grateful for my experience because people can look back and say, man, like, you know, your first couple of years were really rough. Like, yada, yada. Man, like, I've learned so much, though, you know, and I'm grateful for that um, because now, like, that's what I talk about, the culture and being a leader now and being uh, an experienced guy. I've seen what to do and I've seen what not to do. You know, and I've seen like, OK, that's not really how I didn't really feel welcomed by by this uh, action. So I'm going to make sure that, you know, that's one one thing with me and with our guys now is even the freshmen. Uh, if you talk to our freshmen on the team right now, they're going to tell you they get treated just like I do or get treated just like any other player. You know, just because that's the environment um, we want everyone to feel welcome. We want everyone to know, like. We're, we're family and we're here uh, through it all, you know, through through the season. We got each other's backs. Um, and that's one thing, like when I came in, uh, you know, I had some older guys uh, take me under their wing um, and kind of guide me a little bit. Um, but it was still rough, man. It was rough as a freshman, as a younger guy and, and competing against 22, 20, 23 years old. Uh, but I've learned a lot, you know, and that's kind of what has put me into the position I'm in now as a leader. Um, and I think that's really what has helped me um, and helped me become uh, an impactful guy, like in the locker room, on and off the field, um, just making sure everyone feels involved because uh, not one person's not better than uh, the other. You know, so we want everyone to feel um, involved and, and a part of the family. So you mentioned there you talk about um, your what would have been your second or third year there, 2020. Uh, you guys start the year like oh and whatever it was oh and oh and a lot yeah, um, oh, oh and too many yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so oh and too many but um so take us through like I guess the whole like COVID story you know where like you guys kind of got shut down because obviously every organized sport there in, in NCAA I mean I it was my senior year of high school so I mean that was a that was a rough one to finish my high school career like that. But uh, just take us through what that COVID story was like when it came to, you know, your play, your, your, I mean, you're starting, I believe it was every game from looking at the yep. research, you started every game so far at that yep. early, early beginning of the season um, to where, you know, you guys are struggling as a team. And then I guess just everything 
gets shut down. So I guess just kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, what I do remember for sure is uh, I did uh, – that was my first year actually being able to play because I registered my first year. Um, so, you know, I was excited, man. Like, I was excited. I was like, I was ready to make an impact. I was ready to to, to compete. Um, and, you know, just un, un, unfortunate circumstances. Uh, you know, the good thing, though, man, is like we were 0-17, but you would have never known it. And that's one thing is like uh, Griffin Dorshing uh gosh i got you know who griffin dorsing is pod I, see, uh, I feel like i feel like i know that name yeah so he was at nku uh went to oklahoma state transferred to oklahoma state last year and then got picked up by the padres in the eighth round this okay. year i don't okay. know if he's not so uh that was one guy who really took me under his wing and uh showed me a lot but regarding that year um he was a, he was one of our leaders that year um, and that's one thing, man, that I've learned a lot, especially from him, is we were 0-17, but you would have never known it. You would have never known it um, just because we we took it one game at a time. You know, and we we fought. We had some games that we lost by one, man, and it was it was tough. It was unfortunate. Um, and then, like you said, you know, we were 0-17. A lot of people don't know, but going 0-17 is not fun at all, and it is hard uh, <laughs> mentally um, for sure. But – that's just the battle, you know, that's just the battle that uh, I think had to happen. That's how I look at it. Um, you know, that had to happen to get to where we're at now, uh, to have the team, to have the culture. Um, and, and obviously it sucks not being able to play, you know, our season gets cut short and, you know, we prepare for that season. We prepare for that moment. So for that to be able to, to be cut short, um, it was definitely uh, a tough, especially ending on 0 and 16, 0 and 17. You're like, Dang, like, really? We're going to end the season? Oh, and whatever. Uh, no, nah, man, but, but you know, you have to have short-term memory in this game. Uh, you know, like, that's – and that was one of the things that I learned. You know, like, that one game, we were 0-12 uh, or 0-13, and, and and we were going into the next game 0-0. Uh, you know, we weren't worried about the last game. We weren't worried about our record. Uh, we were worried about one game at a time, one moment at a time, man. So I think that has really helped this program. Uh, looking back, man, because that's the thing is like we look back and we're like, hey, like two years ago, we were like 0 and 17. And now we're like really going in the right direction. The ball's moving, the ball's turning. And, and when you look at that, man, you just got to be grateful. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for that experience and being able to go through that. And I talk to the guys now, uh, the new guys and the younger guys, because uh, like they come in, they have questions and they're like, man, what was your years? Like, what was your experience? And I'm like, hey, let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you, in 2020, we were oh, and they're like oh, and seventeen. I'm like, yeah, but man, it, it's just awesome though because you can look back and see how far we've came, how far uh, that we've grown in the culture, uh, the environment, uh, everything, bro, is just uh, continuing to to incline, and that's what we want. We want consistent progress, and that's what we're getting here at NKU. Yeah. So with that 2020 season being your first year, you know, playing actually collegiate, playing, playing at that collegiate level, what was that transition process like physically and mentally uh, going from, you know, playing high school ball to redshirt in that freshman year to facing that collegiate competition there um, as a redshirt freshman in 2020? Yeah, man. Uh, um, I'll tell you physically. So I don't know. Freshman year, I'll tell you this. Freshman year I came in and, and I thought, uh, I had the tools to play. Uh, I thought I could play. Um, and I thought I was ready for it because like 
mentally, I was like locked in. So I was like, I'm ready. Like I'm ready for it. I want to compete. I want to go play in the Louisville's and the, in the big time schools. Like I was ready for it. Um, so, you know, when that got postponed, that had that like up my focus even more. And I just knew that like a lot of improvements had to be made. Um, and I knew that I redshirted um, and that really it's either, it's really the value that I put on that, you know? So it's like, I redshirted, I learned a lot. I, you know, it was I happy, not at first, but now that I look back on it, I'm like, I am so glad I redshirted. It was the best thing that has ever happened to me. Um, and what you say about uh, physical and mental is physically, you know, you get here. And I think I came out of high school at like six, two, like one eighty or like one eighty five, like string bean, you know, like I was like six, two string bean. Uh, and that's one thing is you get here and you're around 21, 22, 23 year olds that, um, have grown just so much, man. And the physical part, you see it guys now, nowadays, you know, guys are jacked you know guys are lifting weights uh heavy and that's one thing with me physically is I didn't really lift a lot of weights um in high school uh before college so then I got here and was kind of behind uh a lot of the the upperclassmen and things like that but like I said man I'm thankful for it because it's really like grown me and molded me into who I am today um but but now talking about the mental uh the the mental that is the most important uh, part of this game. Um, and I will stand on that um, until the day that I pass, brother. Uh, but but that mental side, men, the, the mental side for me, you know, coming from high school, everybody in high school that like, or everyone in college was, was great in high school. You know, this is one thing my dad always told me, you know, when you get to college, everybody was somebody, you know? So that guy next to you was also somebody. That guy next to you also, you know, is very, uh, skilled and talented. Um, and that's the one thing mentally, um, I think that's like a separator, uh, like in this game It's just the mental of even with my first year, uh, getting red shirted mentally, I was shot. Like, you know, like it was tough for me, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe I could have a chance to play. I could impact the team. Um, and then I red shirt my first year and it kind of hit me hard. I, I, I can't lie to you. Like, you know, I called, called my dad. I was like, man, like, should I stay? Should I go? Like, what should I do? Like, I was just contemplating, man, because mentally I had never like not played, you know, I have never like not. So, so, and that's one of the biggest things for all college athletes, man, they come from high school and they come here and then they're around 22, 23 year olds, you know? So it's like mentally, it's just a challenge, you know, mentally it's like, um, just that challenge of, of, you know, being redshirted. And then, you know, now then the next year, uh, just growing, man. Like it's, it's a constant process. It's a constant, uh, you know, battle, but it's, it's, there's beauty. There's beauty found in the battle, man. Another, another thing that, you know, I was, as I was doing some research, you know, I was reading some articles, I believe it was a street Steve crawl article okay, um, yeah. that, that what I forget what his blog's called. Uh, but no, I was do just doing a little bit more research. Obviously, I knew you beforehand, but, you know, I wanted to kind of dig into, like, stuff that potentially I didn't know. And I saw that you were actually an infielder in high school and transitioned um, yeah. to the outfield when you, you know, your freshman year at NKU. Um, so I guess just what was that transition process like? So, like, maybe some of the things that was toughest about going from infield to outfield and what your mentality is um, being an outfielder compared to an infielder, like, an actual, like, gameplay. 
Yeah. So, so I came in actually my first year um, was a shortstop. Uh, took some reps at, at at short and second, kind of flipped back and forth. Um, and then my second year, which was my COVID year, um, I kind of played like second, short, and like a little bit of outfield. I think like not a lot, or maybe. I want to say maybe I just played short, like maybe I just played short or uh, like my first year playing. Um, and then I think that after the COVID year, then they decided like, Hey man, like we think it's just best you just stay in the outfield. Like <laughs> we just think that you should stay there. Um, and that's best fitting. And uh, I don't know, man, it was tough. Like I love infield my whole life. I've been an infielder. I've never been an outfielder. Um, so it was like tough, but not because like, in the outfield, it's like, I try to simplify it, you know, like catch the ball, catch fly balls, be an athlete, you know, be athletic, you know, make the plays that you can make uh, and, and play the game the right way. Uh, so I didn't look at it any different. I was just thankful that I was on the field, you know, at that level, when you get to that level, then you redshirt. My goal is to just get on the field, impact however I can, uh, be an impact for the team uh, to help try and win games, you know, so really – I didn't look at it any different. It was it was a tough transition only because I really loved playing infield. And it was it's still to this day in practice, like I'll get my infield reps and I'll get in there and I'm like, hey, I'll make sure I tell the coaches like, hey, you sure? Like, you know, just giving them a hard time. But no, nah, man, I really like I, I love the infield, but I really have grown to love the outfield. And I really think that that's best fitting for me um, as my career goes on just with uh, my speed, my length, uh, my arm strength, things like that, bro. I just think that that is best fitting for me. And I've really saw that and understood that. So I really um, embraced the role um, and just really was here to to be thankful that I'm in the lineup and on the field in between the lines. Um, you know, I'm just grateful for it, man. So you talk about you talk about as your career goes on how being an outfielder is probably the best fit for you that that gives you the best potential. Um, so what is it after this spring? You are a redshirt senior, but I mean, I know some guys have that COVID year. Do you have like so what? So I guess the question is like, what does Pat beyond spring of twenty twenty three um in your mind kind of what does that look like going forward? Yeah, right now, man. Like I've uh, I've been in contact with a with a couple MLB teams, a uh, couple. Uh, not uh, what would the correct scouts or things like yeah. that teams. Um, so really that's where my focus is, man. Um, you know, I, I believe that I have that COVID year. Um, but right now, man, with just, uh, with how much I've grown um, skill wise uh, and things like that, like, I think that I'm going to have opportunities um, to play at the next level. And so right now my focus um, after talking with some of these teams, um, my focus is first and foremost, uh, day by day you know what am I going to do today to to increase and get better man I'm, I'm focused uh just short you know like one day at a time uh the process man really just loving the process loving what I'm doing um and the rest will take care of itself but yeah man really that's where my focus is you know really just getting that opportunity I think since since I was a kid man the dream of mine has been to get to the next level and just knowing that um that opportunities will present itself um, and that opportunities have presented itself. Um, I think now I'm focused on my preparation daily, uh, my mental preparation, uh, physical preparation, um, because, man, I think success is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, 
you know, so in order to be able to succeed, I have to be as most prepared as I can be. Um, so really right now, my focus um, is on that main goal. Um, but I'm not there yet. Like I'm not yeah. there my is, is right now what I did today, you know, what I'm going to wake up and do tomorrow to get me um, to that. Just the preparation of it, man. It's, it's one day at a time. Yeah. So when you are talking to some of those scouts, like what are what are those general conversations like? I mean, I know I talk to a lot of like I said, I talk to a lot of, you know, younger high school kids who yeah. are, you know, like projected guys for of this coming year's draft or a lot of guys are class of 2024. Uh, and I guess conversations are probably a little different for high school kids compared to college kids. Uh, but yeah. what does that general conversation look like uh, when you're talking to a scout? Like, how do they go about it? And are most scouts really the same or just take yeah. us through that? So really, it's been a, a, a few teams. Um, I know the Twins have reached out. Uh, I know that my coach has spoke with the Rangers as well. Um, and they know guys there. Really, that's why I credit the coaching staff, man, because, like, they're helping their kids. You know, so, like, they're staying in contact, talking to their guys um, for me. Uh, I got something the other day from the Twins. That was the most recent. Um, but really, like, I haven't personally had like any like phone call conversations or interviews like this. Um, but I think like at my, um, I just try not to like focus so much on that. Uh, I'm more of like process oriented. What am I going to do today? Uh, like I said, uh, focus on what I can control. You know, I am 22 and some people would say, uh, man, you're getting old or like, Hey, this is your last year. But in my eyes, man, I'm in the best shape I can be in. Uh, you know, I push myself every single day, mentally, physically, um, just to prepare me, to best prepare me to compete at the highest level. Um, so I don't really know. I can't tell you what the conversations are, not yet, at least. Um, but just talking with my coaches and things like that, I think um, this is a big season for me, you know, and uh, I think I'm going to have opportunities that present itself. Um, and that's why I prepare for it, man, because when preparation meets opportunity, here comes success. There we go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so and, uh, one last question about just your college experience so far, and then we'll kind of dig into like the whole recruiting process. Um, yeah. So I heard that you had a pretty cool experience when you guys went down to Mississippi State last year. Um, yeah. So I guess just take us through that a little bit, what that was like, you know, having maybe some fans heckle you and then maybe the next inning, you know, giving you a, a bra or so, whatever it happens yeah. to be, I yeah. guess. But uh, just take us through that Mississippi State experience. Yeah, man. <sighs> I, one that I'll, I'll remember for a lifetime, uh, for sure. You know, we started the year off last year uh, a little shaky. You know, we had higher expectations, I think, uh, at the beginning of the year. Won a couple games, but we were like, man, we just uh, – or, or I think maybe it was second season. Do you know if Mississippi State was the second weekend? Do you know that? I don't know if you would know that. Uh, no, I, I don't. I didn't look at the schedule. Okay. But I do I – remember, I remember it being, like, early in the season from doing, like, yeah. the research. Yeah, I want to say like we so we got swept. I believe we went zero and three to open up at uh, East Tennessee State, um, and we were you know man like we had higher expectations. But um, with our coaching staff, like I said, man, they kept us there the whole time. They kept us locked in. They kept us engaged. Um, and one thing we never lost the belief or faith um, in ourselves or our preparation. Um, and so, you know, going to Mississippi State and even the night before, like we take BP. Uh, you know, it's like a dream come true for us because, like, we're playing, like, top, this is SEC baseball, like, great competition. And, like, in, in our position, man, as a mid-major, like, we want to compete against these teams. Uh, we want to play the best of the best. That's why I came to NKU. 
uh, I wanted to play the best of the best and get in front of, uh, you know, scouts and good competition, things like that. But no, man, that experience just going out there. Uh, I remember you said heckling the heckling fans. That is definitely a fact. Uh, that is a fact uh, from Friday night when I was out there. Uh, you know, there's probably things I can't say right now on the podcast. <laughs> I don't think they're uh, viewer friendly. Um but no, man, at the end of the day, like, it's great people. You know, they're there. And, and actually, right field is right in the student section. Like, the student section is right field. So, like, it was beers, brats, burgers, fans, heckling. So you can only imagine what the environment was like. I think it was, like, sold out, too. Mm. Um, so thousands, you know, thousands of people. But like I said, man, like, this is the, oppor- th- this is the opportunity that we talk about. You know, it was a great opportunity for us. Um, and facing Landon Sims on a Friday night, you know, like that, that's just a great opportunity. And I think we just rose um, to that, to that level. Uh, and it's really, that's the thing with baseball. It's whoever plays the best that day, uh, you know, any given day, any, any team, whoever plays better that day can win the game, you know? So I think just like being in that environment, um, understanding and getting an idea of like what that ball is like and understanding, I guess, like, uh, what we're capable of as athletes, you know, um, at NKU, it was a great experience, man. And then, like you said, I'd go out there and I, they'd be heckling me saying everything under the sun that you can even imagine. And then I'd come back out there one inning and they'd be like, we love you for like, we love, you, you know, you <laughs> love you guy. like, and then next thing you know, like I'd catch a ball up on the wall and they're going crazy. Uh, that's one thing I remember the fly balls. I got a few fly balls that, that weekend. And I swear, man, like once that fly balls hit, it's like everybody in the stadium is going wild, like wild. So it's really just cool, man. Like I soak it up. Uh, it's like I said, it's something. And then being able to actually like, you know, win that game like that. I think that was um, one of the biggest wins in NKU history. Um, I believe uh, I think they were, ranked fifth at the time Mississippi state was ranked fifth at the time. They just came off a uh, college world series championship, you know, so being able to go in there um, and, you know, do what we do, man. And, and, and go in there and compete and, and play hard, play the game the right way um, against Landon Sims, who was a first round guy. Um, I don't know. He got hurt. So I don't know if he still was a first round guy, but he was projected. No, he, definitely had the, he definitely had the projectability to be a first round. Yeah. Guy. He definitely, but really, you know, just going in there, and and I don't think that many had us winning that game, <laughs> you know, at all. Yeah. And I why I give so much credit to the coaches because they prepared us for that mentally, physically. Um, we were prepared to go in there and, and and just to have fun, man. Play the game the right way and control what we can control. That's one of the biggest things here at NKU. We focus on what we can control, and that's what we did that game. Focus on what we can control. Uh, went out there, played played the game the right way, and and the outcome took care of itself. Yeah, I mean that SEC baseball, man. I mean that's, I mean just like the atmosphere you have for just a normal, yeah. you know, just a normal like March game is crazy. I went to uh, I went to Fayetteville where Arkansas is at, um, Ooh. and they were fa- they yep. weren't even, like, it was I don't know who they were facing. It was it was a smaller team, um, and I mean it was sold out, and uh, it was a. Uh, I think it was a Thursday game. It wasn't even like a Friday and it was still sold out. I sat and left somehow I was able to sit in the student section in left field. And oh. it was an awesome experience. It was just, uh, just everyone just, you know, like 
chirping at each other, this and that, um, yeah. chirping at the left fielder, because uh, there's the, in Arkansas, the student sections in left field. Um, and, you know, I, then I moved around to uh, just kind of like the standing room only, like behind home plate, I guess, just to kind of see it from that angle. I mean, it's just awesome the way SEC baseball is for student sections, just fans in general. I mean, for me, with my personal goal kind of, you know, being to uh, improve the marketing within the game of baseball to the level of, you know, basketball, football. Um, I mean, that's just something I love to see. Obviously, I wish SEC baseball was more. I mean, I wish more conferences were like SEC baseball. You know, me going to Indiana, it'd be nice if I could, you know, go to a game and there's more than 150 people there. You know what I mean? Uh, right, right. Here, here at IU, I mean, we're we're a good baseball school, but I mean, there's our student sections not new. I mean, there's not even a student section. It's but not like yeah, like SEC is is just different, man. For yeah, sure, it's, it's crazy. Uh, but no, let's kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Let, let's kind let's kind of dig into the recruiting process a little bit on how you ended up at NKU. You said that you really didn't know you were going there until kind of like your senior year was coming to an end. Uh, so I guess let's just kind of dig through that kind of, you know, the whole recruiting process, how it kind of got started and when you started getting noticed. Yeah. So I had, um, I want to say like the end of my junior year um, was kind of when I, I had, you know, just some smaller schools like St. Francis, uh, just school, just some like a smaller school. Like I really didn't get much like contact or have an offer. I don't even think I had an offer um, until like my middle of my senior year, um, you know, so like going in, it was just like, th this is like, I love telling this, man. I really do. Like, I, I love this, but, um, yeah. So going into my senior year, man, like I didn't really have any interests or looks or offers, um, played pretty well. You know, I think I hit five forty. Um, my senior year did have some really good numbers, things like that. Still wasn't really getting the, the interest though. Still really wasn't hearing um, much uh, from from many schools. I had like Lincoln Trail, uh, Florida Southwestern, which is another JUCO. So I had a few JUCOs, um, Pasco Hernando in Florida as well. Um, I had a few JUCOs that I was in contact with. Um, like I said, St. Francis, Ivy Tech, some local schools, um, Indiana Tech as well. Um, but yeah, man, so I really, it was kind of cool. Midwest Rangers, you know, usually guys don't play summer ball after their senior year well I was like you know what I'm gonna play summer ball my senior year and I played with the Midwest Rangers and it was kind of cool uh I, I didn't know where I was going I had just visited Lincoln Trail um and then I had that like next weekend I had a tournament at NKU um and so we go up there and like I said my coach um was really tied in with NKU um and his son was already committed to go there um, and so we played at NKU. We had like two or three games there. Um, and this is in like July. So you got to think, or yeah, this is like early July. So like, I'm like playing like summer ball. I'm already graduated from high school. I really don't know where I'm going to go to college yet. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then like, all of a sudden we have this, uh, this tournament at NKU. Um, I played pretty well. Uh, I caught the, the eye of the coach, uh, Coach Aslan at the time from NKU. Um, I stayed after the game a little bit, talked with him uh, and said maybe we could get back down there, um, you know, and, and, and get back down here for a visit or something maybe and that he would love to have me. Um, and, and that kind of took off from there, man. Like 
my dream was always to play division one baseball. And I believed it, you know, I believed that I could, I believed I had the skills, the talent uh, to do so. Maybe not, you know, obviously I had to grow um, and flourish as time went on, but I always wanted to play division one baseball. Um, and so when I got that opportunity, um, I kind of just took it, you know, I was like, man, like the campus is beautiful. Um, you know, good, good facilities. Um, you know, from from looking at JUCOs and smaller programs to then coming here, like I was like, man, like this looks phenomenal. You know, like this looks great. Um, and so, you know, I jumped on that. You know, I jumped on that uh, that offer and and made the most of it, man. Like, uh, so really, that's really how it happened. Like, really, and then I committed my like like at the end of July. So school started like August. Like all, yeah, you're like you're like committing like a, like yeah. two and a half weeks before you're supposed to be there freshman year. Yeah, literally, literally. So I, I'm just, yeah, man. I look back. That's why I say I love to tell it because I'm just so thankful, man. Like the people uh, that I've met, the friendships, the relationships that I've been introduced to um, through this is just crazy, and it's it's crazy to look back and think like my high school career ended, and I had nowhere to go. Like I didn't really have any serious offers or serious places to go and and I'm like man I'm graduated like I kind of felt like what am I gonna do you know like wh what's gonna happen um and then this came out man it, it, this came about and, and I'm just thankful man I thank God for sure uh it's a blessing man for sure yeah so you mentioned that the coach that kind of you know gave you that offer there to go to NKU is not currently that head coach at NKU uh, so I guess kind of take us through your relationship with him and then I guess what your relationship is now with the current head coach and what that transition process was like when you, whenever that happened of the coaching transition. Yeah. So, so Co coach Aslan was here my first three years. Um, and then the last two or the last one has been with Dizzy or Dustin Payton, our head coach now. Um, but no, man, my relationship with, with uh, coach Aslan is, is unbelievable. Uh, you know, every time I see him, uh, you know, it's always hugs. Uh, we stay in contact like over the phone, over text. Um, he sends me nice messages all the time, uh, you know, here and there about, uh, you know, like I see you're tearing it up or I see you're doing good things or I hear this or I hope you're doing well or, you know, uh, regarding that that college summer league, you know, he, he reached out and was like, man, like I, I didn't expect anything else, man. Like, you know, I didn't. And it, it's just cool, man, to like, like I talked about earlier, the relationships built with this game go farther than like anything else, you know, the success, the outcomes that come with it. Um, that's a blessing, but just the relationships, like being able to be cool um, and still have contact with Aslan who gave me the opportunity. Um, you know, every time I see him as well, I'm like, man, like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You have changed my life and you don't even know it, you know? Uh, so we have a great relationship. Uh, for sure. Now, Dizzy, God, you can't get me on him, man. Like, ah, oh, this is like, I love him to death. I love him to death, man. I, I can't say enough. And I love Coach Aslan to death as well. Um, but just making Dizzy actually has been uh, a part of the staff for 20 years. So he was the pitching coach under Aslan for like 15 years or something like that. Um, so he was always around, even my years with Aslan. I was still around Dizzy um, and still had like that relationship and connection with him. Um, but I think it transitioned smoothly um, between the coaches. You know, Aslan was getting towards his 20th year at the time. Um, and I think he knew as well as everyone around that that he was he was going. 
um, and his time was done and he's given, he's given a lot to the game man, and he's uh, given a lot of time effort. Um, and he was just ready for the, the next path and the next journey in life. Um, and so I think it transitioned smoothly. Um, and then having, uh, you know, the, the process of hiring a new coach and then, you know, getting, getting busy over here. Um, and I think a lot of players, you know, like rooted for him and, and pushed for him. Um, and, and now look, you know, we're, we're, I can't say enough about the coaching staff that we have, man. And that, uh, you know, we're all, we're just going in the right direction. We're making strides in the right direction, but Dizzy is, is someone very close to me, man. I, I talk to him daily, but very just, you know, this, this explains a little about, uh, about Dizzy to for you, but um, just the other day we, we had, you know, I talk to him all the time. Every time I see him, you know, we have a little conversation about something. Um, but every single time, man, that we have a conversation, he asked me how life is how's life going? You know, how, how's life outside of baseball? What, what do you got going on? What are you doing? How, how are things like, you know, and that's one thing, man, he's just the most transparent guy. Um, you know, he's a player's coach. Um, and it just someone I can always, you know, go to, um, for anything. And, and he really just cares about his players, loves his players. Um, and man, like I, I am so thankful for our relationship. Uh, I love that guy to death for real. So you, you mentioned there that your old coach there at NKU would reach out throughout the summer and talk about that collegiate summer league where you played at Grand Park, where, to be completely honest, you absolutely dominated. I believe I, I was looking through Twitter this morning and saw that, I mean, I think you probably won the triple crown there this summer uh, <laughs> while while commuting two hours from Fort Wayne every day. Um, So pretty, pretty legit summer for you. Pretty cool summer there. Uh, so just take us through what that collegiate summer league was like there at Grand Park and what your experience was like. Yeah, man, uh, it was a great experience. Um, obviously, the the two hour drive, uh, eh, like it, it is what it is. Uh, it is what it is. Um, but it was a great experience, man. And what what's actually cool about it is, I haven't played summer ball ever. This was my first summer ball uh, of college of my college career. Um, so you know, I was like, and and I was like one of the last people to get in because I didn't know where I was going to go or what I was going to do. So I was like. I signed up super late, uh, got in there super late. They accepted it um, probably like a week before it started. Um, but yeah, man, like just that experience of, of playing. I never had that summer ball experience. So I, I wanted to stay, you know, in Indy. I've played at Grand Park so many times growing up. So I was familiar with that. Um, but just the experience to play with um, with other guys and, and even my teammates, um, which you had mentioned that the Grand Park got shut down. The Grand Park Summer League got shut down. Um, and it was kind of cool. Our my, uh, my guys in our group chat was like, does that mean the Bag Bandits go down as, in history as, you know, the best team to ever – it was our team, the best team that ever played there? But, um, no, man, that, that goes back just to the relationships. Um, and, and just having fun, playing a game. That's one thing that really uh, was a great experience and learning lesson for me was – when you have fun, play the game the right way um, and simplify, focus on what you can control, um, you know, good things happen. And like you said, I had a, I had a good summer um, and I had good results, good outcomes, but I wasn't focused on that. You know, I was focused on um, my approach. I was focused on um, what I can control, the things that are in my control. Um, and one thing at NKU that we preach is eight, which is um, – three things that are inside of our control, which is attitude, perspective, and, and effort. Um, and those things, man, like I just had having fun, playing, having fun, um, playing with good competition too, you know, playing with uh, some former, some other D1 guys 
um, on my team um, as well as other teams. Um, and it was just a cool experience. Like I said, I never played summer ball before. So being able to um, kind of see what that's like um, and have a really good experience with it too was just awesome, man. I'm very thankful. Yeah. So what did that day-to-day look like for you? Like were the bag bandits, did you guys play like on a, like every day or how did that look like schedule wise? And I, I mean, like I, like you said, you're commuting from Fort Wayne all the way down there to Indianapolis, not, you know, not, not a, not a fun drive, not, not a, not a short drive either. So uh, just take us through kind of what that day-to-day looked like when it came to, you know, just playing different uh, games, potentially some practices as well. And just uh, going through those drives. Yeah, man. So we, we really didn't practice. Um, We didn't really practice for, for summer ball. Uh, We played Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. So we had Wednesday, Friday, Saturday off. Um, And so my coach kind of knew that I was driving um, two hours. I was commuting. So I would play like, uh, I, I forget the days, but I'd play like, four games a week, three days. So we had a double header on Monday. So I play like uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four games. And then I actually, I didn't really play Sundays to be honest. (laughs) So now you're bringing it up for me. No, I I would play like Monday, Tuesday, um, Thursday. And so I'd have Wednesday off and then I would have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So it was really nice. It worked out nice. And, and coach, my coach um, was a phenomenal coach, Coach Finmore. Um, Finnemore. Uh, he's at Goshen College, I believe, or Grace, one of those. Yeah, Starts with, yeah. they're cl- close to the same thing. Yeah, something like that. Just giving him a little shout out. But no, nah, he made it easy for me, man, just to, um, to, draw, to be able to have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, um, come back Monday, Tuesday, um, drive back, have Wednesday off, and then drive Thursday, drive back, then have that off. Um, it wasn't really as bad as as it uh, like as people, you know, you hear like, man, two hour drive there, two hour drive back. Um, it was tough, man. Like it, it was, shoot, um, it was tough, the drive, but really like I was driving, when I was driving there, it was like I was so like locked in and like focused on like, man, like I got a game today, you know, like this is game day. So I really enjoyed it, man. Like I made the most of it for sure. Um, and, and it really just I was it just made me grateful for like when I got there. Like I was like, man, like two hours, like now I'm finally here. Like now I get to play ball. Like now I get to have fun. Like this is the fun part. This is why I sacrifice, um, you know, that time and that drive uh, to, to go and play ball, man. Yeah. So. So what what was that competition level like there at that um, Grand Park Collegiate Summer League? Because obviously we're talking to the 2022 Grand Park Collegiate Summer League MVP right here. Uh, I believe you hit like, what, 470. Uh, like I said, you led the league in like pretty much every offensive category. Um, I know you said there were some couple D1 players on your team as well. Uh, but just what was that competition level like there at that Collegiate Summer League? And how did it compare to uh, the competition level you're facing at NKU every spring? You know, um, how it differs from the competition there and that we face in the spring is more of like in the spring, we're facing um, division one arms constantly, you know, so we're getting the the low nines more consistently, more often. Um, we're getting the low nines, you know, the the two, three, four pitch guys, um, you know, just the arms. Um, 
But then the competition, you know, on my team for, for summer league, we had Cam Sheeler from UC, um, another guy from Michigan state, um, uh, another guy that went to Clemson, then he went to a Juco. Um, and then other teams had, you know, guys from Butler, guys from UC, guys from Michigan State. Um, so D1 guys as well. So that's why it was like, it was cool, man, because it was a lot of good competition, um, you know, on my team as well as other teams. And then um, pitching wise, you know, you get a few of the like the Juco um, smaller, smaller guys that were still just had to grow and develop. Um, that would be like 85, 86. Um, you know, just, just stock, stock righty, stock lefty, um, whatnot, but no, man, the the competition, you know, you'd still have the, the 90, 91, 92 guys. Um, it wouldn't be as, as often in summer, but you still got a few guys that would ramp it up. Um, you know, there was a one lefty, uh, that went to St. Louis or is like a fifth year at St. Louis university. Um, and I think he was like pitcher of the year. Um, you know, so like that just goes to show like we had great competition, man. And it was just, you know, a blessing to play with with great people and, and meet new people and, you know, build those relationships. Yeah. So what was that? So I'm assuming that collegiate summer league also used wood bats compared to, you know, how like the Cape Cod and all of them do that. Uh, what yeah. What is that transition process? You know, I'm sure it wasn't your first time using a wood bat. But what is that transition process going from, you know, aluminum to wood and then, you know, back from wood to aluminum? Uh, what is that transition process? Yeah, man. So so me personally, I love wood. Um, I love swinging wood. Like ever since I was young, my dad had put a wood, a wood bat in my hands, like since I was like so young. Um, and we always like would train with wood. Um, so for pretty much all my life, man, I've had wood. I've used wood when I wasn't in the season. Um, of no matter what I was doing, if I was training, I was always using a wood bat. Um, so really, I loved it. I, it was a great experience. Um, obviously, there's like there's more pop in aluminum. You know, ball might go a little farther, things like that. But I don't know, man. Like just from from training with wood so much and using it pretty much all my life. Like I still to this day, like in the off seasons, train with wood a lot. Um, and I'm swinging wood a lot. So I'm just very familiar, very comfortable with it. Yeah. You mentioned that your dad kind of got, you know, you got you comfortable to using wood bats kind of when you were at a younger age. Another thing I kind of read was he kind of, you know, kind of helped you train to become a, a left-handed hitter. Um, so yeah. what's, what's that like, you know, obviously, I mean, there are righties that hit lefty. I mean, you're not like the only one, uh, but no, what is that, you know, just being that, you know, like whatever it would be called, like vice versa or wh- whatever it is being a righty thrower and lefty hitter. What's that like? And have you ever, you know, tried to become a right-handed hitter or a switch hitter at all? Um, no, no. So to answer that, uh, no, I've never tried to become a switch hitter. Um, but I, I love how I'm a righty thrower, uh, lefty hitter, because I think, um, which is exactly why my dad did this, is this is what he tells me. Um, you know, I, I was a righty at first, like my first, like whenever I picked up a bat, I think I like picked it up like as a right-handed hitter. Um, and he was like, uh-uh. like, <laughs> we're not doing that. We're coming lefty. And my dad's a righty. So like, I don't even know like how it worked out that he trained me left-handed, but he trained me left-handed, even though he was a right-handed hitter. Um, but I just think it like provides me with more opportunity. Um, you know, as a left-handed thrower, you can only play outfield and first base yeah. or, or pitcher, you know, like 
you don't see it's it's pretty much like against the game it rules the 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 laws uh, of baseball to be a lefty in the infield or lefty catcher. Um, so really, just like the more opportunity, and now like I think everyone loves a lefty bat. You know, like there's a lot more righty throwers. I think that's one reason my dad did it as well. There's a lot more righty throwers, um, which is awesome because I face majority righties. Um, and I love facing right-handed pitchers as well as I do lefties. Um, but I just see righties more often. So being a left-handed hitter, I feel like I kind of have that advantage um, just being a lefty um, against righties and facing them majority of the time. Um, but yeah, man, like I love it. I love it. Cause it, I, like you said, I was a shortstop so I could play the infield. I can play all positions um, and then swing a lefty stick. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if even if you look at the major leagues, I mean, all those managers are playing playing up to their matchups. I mean, if there's a, a righty yeah. on the mound and they have, you know, a platoon, I mean, they're always having lefties in the lineup and then vice versa with a lefty on the mound. You know, they'll put righties on the righties in the box um, or I guess in the lineup. I mean, it, even uh, I was doing a project the other day for my for my internship, you know, because like I said, I'm trying to be an agent. Um, was doing an agency uh, internship project and it was, you know, I was just working with data of, you know, right-handed pitchers and left-handed pitchers. And I would say the project with right-handed pitchers probably took me four times longer because there were so many more people who were right-handed pitchers. Right. Um, like, I guess I didn't even think about that. Like, obviously, I mean, you see more righties, but I didn't look like it was, it was a project about like the MLB draft and like signing bonuses and all that. So I had to get data on all that. And I mean, left-handed hitters took me like I don't know, hour and a half. Right-handed, yeah. hitters, I mean, right right-handed pitchers. I mean, I do it, and the list is like huge. Um, right. Literally, right. I had to, literally took me forever to finish that project just because. I mean, I was texting. My, I was like, man, I was like, sorry, I couldn't get this done as quick as the lefties, but I mean, there's there's a lot of data here I have to go through. Right. Um, no, um, I was always curious because I did I did read that um, you did you know potentially pick up that bat first as a righty and then switch it to being a lefty so I was kind of curious on how that worked and if you know tried to become a switch hitter but uh yeah. no, I mean, everyone loves a left-handed bat like you said right right now I'm thankful I, I sure like I, I tell my dad when we talk about it I'm like man I'm so thankful that you you know you transitioned me into a, a lefty I don't know how he did it um but but he says that if you asked him he'd say that same thing like the matchup you know he was he played ball growing up he, he you know played in college things like that um, so he knew, he knew like, you know, that righty, like you said, how many righty pitchers, man, like we see majority righty pitchers nowadays. Um, and so like, I think that just gives me um, an advantage being a lefty, you know, everyone loves that like lefty righty matchup. Like you oh, said, yeah. of if there's a lefty thrower, some teams will throw a righty in the box just because it's more uncomfortable for lefty. So being able to see, um, be a left-handed hitter with how many right-handed pitchers there are, um, I think that's an advantage for sure. Okay. All right. So let's kind of dig into your hitting approach a little bit, even kind of just, you know, stacking up on top of that being a left-handed hitter facing righties. Uh, what is your hitting approach? You know, you're on the on-deck circle, you're watched it. I guess, are you, you're not the leadoff hitter, are you at NKU? I can't remember. I did. I did. I did lead off uh, a good amount. I also batted second. So I was like lead off in second. I kind of flipped back and forth. Okay. okay. So, so I, what, but, 
we can go from lead off though if you want to like go like lead off or okay like, well, well i guess let's just kind of i guess compare both the approaches like, you know as a leadoff hitter um as a guy who's hitting second in the lineup uh when you're you when you when you are the guy hitting second in the lineup like what are your going through your thoughts as you know you're watching the pitcher pitch the leadoff hitter uh and then you start walking up there to the box to be in the second hitter of the game or whatever it happens to be uh just take us through both of those approaches you know being the leadoff hitter compared to being that guy who's hitting second in the lineup yeah, man, I think one, um, personally, my approach doesn't change. Um, it really doesn't, depending on on the data that we have on the pitcher. Um, that's one thing about college is like there's data everywhere. So like we have how many times he throws a fastball and how many times he throws a curveball and what counts and things like that. I'm um, just advanced technology. Um, but no, man, like in the leadoff spot, um, at least talking with my coaches, it's more they, they I'm, a, I'm an aggressive hitter. Um, so, so my approach, uh, is sit on the fastball and adjust everything else. So early in the count, I'm looking for my pitch. I'm looking to do damage, um, depending on the guy. Now, if the guy is a, a crafty guy who throws all sliders or all curve, you know, then we can maybe mess with that, um, further along, but in the leadoff spot, I would say one difference between the leadoff and the second spot, um, is leadoff. You're trying to. Um, gather information. Um, you're trying to get information for your team, um, see pitches, um, you know, in that leadoff spot, you know, first pitch of the game. If I go out there and roll over on the first pitch of the game, that's, that's a tough spot. You know, that's a tough spot because I didn't really gain any information. I didn't see pitches. Um, and that's one thing, like my coaches are super cool. Like they know I'm an aggressive hitter. Um, they know I love to, if I get that fastball first pitch that I'm probably hammering it if it's in my zone, um, you know, so they allow me the freedom in the in the in the first spot to to be aggressive, but also as a leadoff hitter, I think it's important to gather that information, gather knowledge, um, see pitches. You know, like how many times, like you know, it's the first batter of the game. You see seven, eight, nine pitches. It's like whoa, like yeah, we're we're seeing him well. I gathered information. Now I can go back to my team and say, hey man, this is what I saw. This is where he's going. This is where he's attacking. Um, things like that. So I can bring back information to the dugout, but um, approach wise, my approach doesn't change. Like I said, whether it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eighth, ninth, I'm sitting on one pitch and that's my pitch um, early in the count. Um, a lot of times, you know, you get guys that are like, man, like I'm sitting curveball. I'm sitting this, I'm sitting that. I personally, everyone has their own approach, man. And sometimes something can work for one guy that doesn't work for the next. Um, and that's just part of it. But for me personally, I sit on my favorite pitch. Um, and my favorite pitch is a fastball. It's the straightest. It's the uh, the one that we practice probably the most, I would say. We hit the fastballs the most. Um, and it's just the pitch that you can drive. Um, it's straight. Uh, so I try to, to sit on that and do damage. And then with two strikes, I think the approach changes. Um, with two strikes, uh, me personally, I widen out. Um, get a little more athletic, stay in the legs, simplify everything. Um, and early in the count, man, like I said, I'm trying to do damage. Um, I'm trying to drive the ball, um, get my pitch, hunt my pitch and, and drive it, you know, and then with two strikes, um, it's more simplify it, um, look to go middle away, um, you know, probably like a line drive at the shortstop, um, you know, and just compete with, with two, with two strikes, man, I just try to become the best hitter that I can be put something into play, hit something hard, um, good things happen. You know, one thing is like uh, 
I don't know, man. I just try and compete, compete with two. Yeah. I'm not trying to get at 500 feet. Uh, I'm not, you know, nice and simple, nice and smooth. Um, see something deep and just compete, man. Just okay. see pitches, battle pitches. But um, and to simplify all of that, my approach is to hunt the fastball um, and adjust everything else, man. Be on time for the fastball, adjust everything else. Okay. All right. So if you had to dig into the mechanics of your swing, uh, just kind of for, you know, from the um, – the load up all the way to the follow through. I uh, just kind of take us through what those mechanics are and kind of, you know, how you got to the point where you're at now within your mechanics. Yeah, man. Uh, I've went through um, some changes within the swing, uh, minor adjustments, uh, nothing major, uh, nothing major, but just, just minor adjustments. Um, but no, I think the biggest thing is just to keep everything simple, you know, um, you know, the movements, uh, your head movement, the movements, hands, um, I think it has to be smooth. It has to be relaxed. Um, and that's one thing, bro. Like I personally don't really, uh, I'll, I'll look at video here and there um, and get into that and dissect a few things. Um, but I try to not get all uh, like overly in, uh, involved, I guess, into the mechanics of the things. Um, because at this level, man, um, there's few minor adjustments that can be made. Um, but at this level, like I said, it's mental, bro. Um, it, it's the confidence. It's uh, being confident walking to the plate. Um, Steve Springer says it best, compete with confidence, you know? Um, and so that's one of the biggest things, man. It's just like, it's easy to get wrapped up in mechanics and like, oh, well, my hands weren't here and my hands were this and my hand. And, and, and the thing about that is when you get caught up um, thinking about those things and then you get into the batter's box, that's one place you can't think. You know, so it's good, like, in the off season and things like even right now, man, I'm, I'm working on uh, the inside pitch right now and just my hands and, and staying through, keeping everything to the middle of the field and, and using the gaps. Um, and so there's always things that can be worked on and improved um, for sure. But and there's things that I dissect and can look at and say, like, oh, maybe like, you know, here, here. But I don't get too um, riled up, I guess, about the mechanics um, of things, because I think competing with confidence and being clear, being relaxed, um, you know, being confident, being relaxed, man, is, is really everything when you get up there. Um, because when you get in the box, it's competing. Um, if I'm in the box thinking about hands, thinking about my hands have to go from here to here, and I got to look for the changeup, the fastball, the curveball, the slider, uh, you know, I got to look for all these pitches, you're beat. You know, you're beat already. Um, so that's one thing, man, I really just try to simplify um, and, and you hear a lot of guys talk about it nowadays, but, um, just simplify, man, have fun, uh, stay relaxed, stay confident. Um, yeah, man. Okay. All right. So let's say, like I said, I have this kind of, you know, fun question. I like to ask, you know, all the ball players I get on the podcast. And that is if you were a scout watching your game, let's say, you know, you're one of those major league scouts there for the, for the twins or whatever team's watching it here this upcoming spring, uh, yeah. what would be that personal scouting report on yourself? Um, just in the box, in the field, uh, interacting with some of your teammates in the dugout, uh, just overall kind of what would be that personal scouting report? Uh, man, I take pride uh, in just playing the game the right way. And so I think like as if I were a scout watching my game, um, I would say he works hard. Um, you know, he plays the game the right way. He respects the game and he's a great teammate. Um, that's one thing. When I was young, man, my dad has always preached to me, um, work hard, have fun, be a great teammate. Um, you know, and when things aren't going your way, that's one thing I really take pride in. I try um, is, is not only just playing the game the right way, but being a great teammate 
I think that's underlooked sometimes, or would that be overlooked? I don't know. Underlooked. Oh, what? Yeah, we don't know what you mean. <laughs> Either one, man. Uh, yeah, like just being a great teammate. You know, it takes nothing to be a great teammate. You know, it, it whether you're 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 5, you can always be a great teammate and win in that category. Um, and that's the thing, man. As I've gotten older, as I've gotten more experience with this game, I've really understood um, just playing the game the right way, you know, playing the game hard. Uh, that's one thing at, at NKU that our head coach, Dizzy, um, and the rest of the coaching staff preaches to us is they say, play hard, uh, they use some other words as well in there. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I mean, I mean, you if, you if you want to, you can say. I mean, no reason to hold back. But I mean, if if you don't want to, I understand. They play hard as fuck, and so they're like, play hard as fuck. Like, and they say this like all the time. They're like, well, you know, we're playing hard as fuck. Like, make sure that we're, you know. And that's one thing that has really stuck with me, man. Is like focusing on what I can control. So like, when I don't know. From a scouting report, man, they, like I think that they would see that like I control what I can control, and and that goes from failure to to not succeeding. Um, you know, things that are outside of my control, like how do I deal with failure? That's the thing is like that I look and I get more experience. You look at like what a scout would look for, maybe, you know, and it's like, well, if I go over three, like how how could I like I didn't really show anything, but that's like that's where I've been like lost this whole time with this, you know, it's like, that's not true though, because it's like, how did you go over three? You know, like, how did you handle failure? Were you still a good teammate? Did you still hustle? Did you hustle on and off the field? Did you play? That's what it is, man. That's what it comes down to. And that's what I know. Um, I can wholeheartedly say that a scout, um, if they watch me play that they would say, this guy plays the game the right way. He respects yeah. it. He's a great teammate. Um, he plays hard. And that's what I really take a lot of pride in, man, because when we focus on what we can control um, and eliminate all the things outside of our control, um, it, it, it just slows everything down, man. It slows everything down and, and it allows us to play with um, with a confident uh, feel, just surrendering the outcomes, trusting the process, man, playing the game hard, uh, playing the game the right way and, and let the rest take care of itself, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, even talking to Mark this morning, like I said, I had him on the podcast today oh, with a little interview. And I mean, he was a scout for the Minnesota Twins. And he was telling me a little story about um this guy from the Foreman area. He got drafted back in like, I don't know, like 1998 or, or yeah. somewhere around then. And he said the Minnesota Twins general manager flew out to Fort Wayne to watch this guy hit. The guy went 0 for 4 and they still drafted him. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's so many other ways to just see it, just evaluate a player besides what their actual, um, I guess, yeah. results are within a certain game that that they're watching. Um, so no, you're 100 right there. But Hold on. one thing to that as well, yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing as well with that is just like how you carry yourself. I I seen something the other day uh, about a scout talking, um, and they said, man, like one thing we really look for is how they carry themselves. Um, and and you know that can show you look at guys like in the league as like Tatis and you look at him, you're like, man, we know how that guy carries himself, <laughs> you know? So like, it's evident um, whether you know it or not um, for, for players all around, um, you know, it's evident on how you carry yourself, um, how you control the things that are within your control. You know, that's, that's the best way I can put it is that the attitude, 
perspective, effort, the opportunity that you're given, um, just really controlling the things in your control, man, and letting the rest take care of itself. Yeah. Um, so obviously playing there at NKU, you've had two great relationships with two different coaches. Um, playing for the you know the Bulls, Nitro, uh, playing underneath your dad there for it was like what five star academy, I believe is what it was called. Stars Baseball Academy. Stars Baseball Academy. Okay, and then playing, you know, playing with the Summit City Sluggers, you know, training there. Um, you've had a lot of people within your baseball career who have helped you out or just helped you get to, to where you're at today. Um, if you had to pick maybe two, three, just a handful of people who are the most influential within your baseball career, who would some of those people be? Yeah. First and foremost, man, it's my family, my mom and dad. Um, without them, this wouldn't even be possible. Um, you know, first, just for both of them, I can speak on both of them right now, but just the time, the effort, the commitment, um, the constant sacrifices um, that they've made um, for me uh, to, to have what I have and to do what I've been doing, man, it's just like, I, it's un indescribable. Um, you know, like I'm so thankful um, without them, this is really not possible. Um, so really, those are two of the biggest influences um, regarding my baseball career, just because without them, man, like it, it wouldn't be possible. I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I've had and been presented with if it wasn't for them. Um, third, I'm going to go with this is easy, though, because like this was almost going to be my number one. And I bet you can almost guess who it's going to be. But uh, Dizzy Payton, for sure. The head coach right now, uh, it's just he's he's allowed me to have a new perspective, a uh, new perspective on the game of baseball, a new perspective on life, um, how how to go about things, um, just advice. He's It's like a mentor to me. Um, and I don't even know if he realizes the impact that he has on everyone around him. But that's probably um, besides my parents, besides my family, um, that is hands down the most influential person um, regarding my baseball career because he's made it um, bigger than baseball. He's made it deeper than that to like, we'll have a connection the rest of our lives, you know, just because of um, being the game away from the game, you know, um, and he's just influenced me. He's been there through all my years at NKU. Um, so he's seen me at the bottom of the bottom. Um, and he's seen me, you know, continuously getting better, man. And he's been there every step of the way supporting me. Um, and, and he doesn't even realize the impact that he has on me and um, the, the other players at NKU, man. So yeah. special. All right. Well, I got one last baseball question for you. And then we'll move into, you know, my rapid fire questions. I kind of like, like to ask every person I get on the podcast. That last baseball question is, though, I know you mentioned Landon, Sim Landon Sims, how you faced him on Friday night at Mississippi State. But who is the hardest pitcher you've ever faced within your baseball career so far? I assume Landon's pretty far up there, but who is that number one guy? Um, would it be like the toughest matchup, or like the hardest, or? I mean, you can look. You can look at it. You can look at it both ways. So, I mean, okay. I guess toughest matchup, the toughest at bat that you've ever had. I just, just, I guess, just dig into it. Here, I'll give you this. I'll give you. Uh, the hardest I've faced and I'll give you um, the toughest AB because it's two opposite spectrums and you'll understand after. Um, but no, man, like Landon Sims uh, was obviously a very good pitcher. Um, great stuff. Um, but the hardest, he was like 93 to 94 that game. But the hardest I've faced would probably be up to 97 and that was Jake Schran at Wright State 
probably a couple years back. I don't know what organization he's in now. I know he got drafted, but that was like 96, 97. Um, so he was throwing it pretty hard uh, for sure. So that was the hardest um, I've faced. The toughest AB, man. I don't know if I could give it to one guy, but I'll tell you this. The toughest AB that I ever faced, because I faced two of them in my career here at NKU. It's a sidearm lefty. It is the funkiest thing I've ever, because usually like most sidearms you don't see come from the left side. Yeah. You know? And so like as a lefty, we were, we were talking about matchups earlier and you you know how like the, the lefty on lefty matchup is considered to be tough already. Right. And so like to have somebody like drop down, I'll never forget. So I'll, I'll just, uh, this guy at Wright state, um, I forget his name, but he was a drop down lefty and he threw like, high 80s from like drop down lefty like it was nasty like mid to high 80s from drop down lefty um and I remember he's warming up throws a couple to the backstop I'm like okay I hear we here we go here we go and I had never I had never faced uh a side on lefty before I get in the box <laughs> first pitch and and he said he sets up I, I'm gonna start demonstrating so I gotta stay focused here but um he he gets in here and first pitch behind my back to the backstop so I go like this I'm like whoa what do we got you know like dude just threw it behind my back and and from a drop down lefty it looks like it's coming at your back the whole time the whole time um so when the first pitch went behind my back I'm like okay these next however many have to go there because this is exactly where he's like lining up and this is exactly where like everything's going um and the next thing you know it's like oh shoot that was like right down the middle but it looked like it was coming out my back you know so that would probably be my toughest matchup would be like that drop down lefty it's just funky everything runs in and then you get a guy who can throw a change up as well from down there or a slider um you know that was probably the funkiest uh matchup for me um, and that's why, like I said, like it's too totally, I got a 96, 97, but like I said, man, comes back to the approach, like the fastball is like, anybody can hit the fastball. Anybody can hit, you know, be on time for the fastball. Got to be able to hit a good fastball. Um, but man, that like that drop, that was the funkiest uh, at bat I have ever had uh, hands down. I thought every pitch was going into my back. And I think I ended up having like, like a, like a, a jam, like, infield hit or something and I'm like wow <laughs> you know like this was this was pretty wild you don't see too many uh drop down lefties but uh that was definitely I have never seen one in my life so that was like the funkiest weirdest matchup I've ever had yeah all right well down to uh my rapid fire questions here to end it off we've got five minutes here left on this zoom link let's go ahead let's try to end it off that way you know we don't have to go through the the struggle of you know setting a new link and all logging back in and all that uh, so just question number one here in the rapid fire. So when you're not playing baseball, just what are some other things, you know, like some passions or just some other things you really enjoy doing uh, beyond the game? Working out um, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm around the game a lot. I, uh, I, I hit it hard. I practice, uh, train every day um, for the most part, but I love to hang with, uh, with friends, man. I love to, to spend time with those closest to me. Um, I love to shoot hoops. I love to play basketball. Uh, <laughs> obviously, like stay healthy, uh, but it's great to stay in shape, things like that. But I love working out. 
hanging with friends. Um, yeah, man. All right. So with this being the Fort Wayne baseball series, you know, we kind of have to talk about a Fort Wayne just, you know, just a little bit. Um, so when you know when you're back home, you know, probably heading there here in about you know a week and a half or so uh, for Christmas break. Uh, what are some of your favorite things to do within you know just within within the city, or I guess even kind of where you're part of the town, your region? Uh, which is what are what are some like your favorite things to do in Fort Wayne? Uh, definitely comics game. Uh, you know that's that's always like uh, that's always a good time there. Um, and that that goes right into hang with friends, man, and those people that are closest to me. Um, I have a pretty pretty small circle, I would say. Um, a close group of friends, clo close group of people. Um, so just being able to spend time um, with those that mean the most to me um, is special. Um, like I said, the Comets is always very fun. Um, you know, go ice skating uh, down there at uh, Headwaters uh, is always fun. But just spending time with family and friends, man, it is really special. I'm grateful for it. Okay. All right. So this is kind of like, this would be a simple, this will be a simple answer. Who is the coolest contact in your phone right now? Uh, off the top, probably Jesse Bates. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, or, I mean, you, you got Van Meter up there as well. Um, but, yeah, man, like base is base is a guy. So I played in that uh, Turner softball. He had a softball team at Turner's for a couple of years, and I played in that with them. Um, one of the most humble guys, man. Like just to touch on this real quick, I know you didn't ask for it, but one of the most humble guys, man, down to earth guys. So really to to see his success and see what he's doing is special. When I first got down to NKU, he actually uh, messaged me and was like, "Hey, man, like." whenever you want to uh if you want to get a bite to eat or whatnot like you hit me up and like i want to make sure you feel welcomed and that just shows like who he is man his character you know a guy who's who's playing professional football uh you know reaches out to me as a freshman who's from fort wayne and in this same area um you know and makes me feel welcomed it's awesome yeah well i mean anytime you get you get you get a guy in your phone call in your uh, in your contacts who you know played in the super bowl playing with joe burrow uh, those right. guys i mean that's that's a pretty cool contact right there uh, but no, just down to, you know, the final two questions. Um, so let's oh, say. Oh, hey, let me, add, let me add one more to that contact. One, this is, I'm just going to add it, but Pete Rose Jr. Um, Pete actually, Rose Jr., okay. Pete Rose Jr., that is probably my, like, I would have to say that's probably number one. Um, obviously, we all know who Pete Rose is. Uh, you know, so Pete Rose Jr. actually had uh time in the in the MLB as a manager and a player for 20 some years um and I've got to work with him over this winter um which has been a great experience cool experience so that where, might, where, where'd you meet him at uh where I train in Cincinnati okay uh, at swing time which is where I hit over here and I ran into him um uh, we started talking it up and just two two guys who love the game man and you know I'm a student of the game uh, he's been around it. He's experienced it. He has uh, great advice, great wisdom. Uh, so just to learn and soak some things in when I'm in there um, to learn from him. And it's an awesome experience for sure. Awesome. All right. So down to I'll I'll just go ahead and ask one more question. We're down to, you know, like a minute 15 left. Yeah, sorry, um, so, I went on a little bit. Over, I went on a little bit. Oh, no, yeah. no big deal. Like I said, I mean, I love it. I love it when guests do that. It's awesome. Good for the listeners. Uh, but no, that last question that I always end off every podcast is, so obviously you're a Division One baseball player. Um, NCAA came out with those NIL regulations a, a while back. Um, what would be one dream brand 
that you would love to endorse or just collaborate with in general um, with that now being a possibility with you at NKU? Man, I would say like uh, if I had to pick one, it's kind of hard to pick one, but I think like any, any top name, name brands, you know, as uh, maybe like Adidas or uh, well, I can't even say Nike because we're not a Nike school, but just top name brands like that, man, like, it would just be uh, an unreal experience or opportunity. Um, but, or, or even like a back company, um, you know, like a Marucci or like just something cool, man, like that would be an awesome experience. Um, you know, any way that you can make money off your name and image and likeness. Um, it's just, you love the opportunity for sure. You're grateful for it. So, uh, and one more thing with that NIL, uh, I think uh, one thing about me is I love hats. Um, so I always wear a hat every single day I'm wearing a hat. Um, so I think a really cool NIL experience would be like lids or like, uh, like a hat store of some sort, like fitted snapbacks, something of that nature. Like I wear a hat daily. I love to have, like, I have a pretty good collection, um, some cool exclusive hats. So I think that would be like a super cool experience to have an NIL with like yeah. hat or something like that. Yeah. Well, I know, I know there is one guy from the Fort Wayne area. You might know him. I think he actually graduated in, uh, I think it was probably 2018, Joe Titman, um, at that's, Wisconsin. That's a, that's Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. He's got an NIL deal. Um, it's called like, uh, it's like elephant, not elephant hats, but it's like some type of animal that's like big. Cause it's, there's hats made for like bigger heads. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they have, maybe they have a, just regular size hats that you could potentially right. deal with. I know he was wearing around like, cause I did that football camp with him um, this yep. past summer, him and a couple IU players. And he, every day he wore this different, a different hat that had the same logo on it. I'm like, Joe, like what the hell is like, what the hell is the logo on, the, on your hat? And he goes, Oh, it's this and this so elephant hat company, whatever the hell it is. It's like, it's like some sort of animal that's big and like rhino hats or something. Okay, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to ask him. Yeah. But no, um, he, he was telling me about it and I was like, shoot, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a cool NIL deal, especially, you know, uh, potentially get some like custom hats with like, you know, cool stuff on the, on the cap. But no, that's, I mean, no, that's, that's a smart NIL deal. That's, that's, that's cool. Uh, but no, uh, that's all the questions I got for you. Here we go. Uh, end of the JKR podcast, Fort Wayne baseball series with Trayvon Moss. Uh, no, just, man, just appreciate you coming on the show. Obviously we have this summit city baseball Academy coming up. So, uh, we will uh, be in contact for that, but, but no, besides that, just really appreciate you coming on the show and, um, just, I guess, best of luck this spring. And as you continue on with the, the rest of your career. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an honor. I think we might've passed the two hour mark. So we might've already won. Up. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we, pa we probably, we passed the two hour mark when it came to time wise, but we'll see what the, what the actual recording ends up being. So we'll, we'll see. I'll have to send it to you once I get edited and we'll, we'll see if you and Mark, you and Mark probably got to be real close to each other, but. I can neck for sure. But nah, man, it, it was a great experience. Love talking baseball. Um, Love talking about, you know, what's coming up, what's to come, especially for some city sluggers and things like that. But really just to be on here, man, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. So thanks for having me on here. Um, look forward to the future, man.